Hello and welcome to Pastor Well. I'm Herschel York, Dean of the School of Theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and pastor of the Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfurt. Pastor Well is dedicated to helping ministers of the gospel think through issues that we encounter and confront us. I love dealing with these kinds of questions, and today I've been asked a question that is about one of the most difficult issues a pastor can face, and that's church discipline. How do we practice church discipline? You know, the better question, I think, is really how do you teach it? How do you implement it? Because you will not practice church discipline if you're only reacting to situations that have already occurred. You need to teach church discipline before a situation arises, if at all possible. So early in your ministry in any church, you need to make sure that you teach this. Now, obviously, the classic text on these on this doctrine is, first of all, Matthew 18. Isn't it interesting that Jesus only used the word ecclesia, the word for church, three times in all the Gospels, and they're all three in Matthew. Matthew 16, he says, Upon this rock I'll build my ecclesia, my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then in Matthew 18, the next time he mentions it, it's in the context of church discipline. If you've got something against your brother, you know, you go to him. And then if he won't hear you, you go back with two or three others. If he won't hear you, then you tell the church. And then if he won't hear the church, you treat him as a publican. You put him out of the church. It's fascinating that when Jesus uses the word three times, two of the three are about church discipline. To me, that is certainly an indication. First of all, I believe that the church was established during the earthly ministry of Jesus. It makes no sense that he was talking about discipline for something that didn't yet uh, even uh, uh, exist. So the church is empowered on Pentecost. I don't think it's born then. I think it's spoken into existence uh, Matthew 16, and his disciples are his incipient church. By the day of Pentecost, you've got 120, and then 3,000 added to it after that. The point is that there's a, a number. They they know who's in and who's not. And Jesus is telling them what to do with the person that is in the church, but living as though he were not. The other text, of course, is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul talks about the man who was having sex with his, apparently his stepmother, his father's wife. And Paul deals with uh, that. And four times, four different ways in 1 Corinthians 5, he tells them that they must put that man out of the church. He, he says it in different ways. Now, here is what I want to encourage you to do. You need to teach your church that it is that sin is always harmful. And the cruelest thing you can do is leave someone in sin. And the kindest thing you can do is do everything possible to get them out of sin. What's the number one objection to church discipline that you hear in churches? People say, oh, who are we to judge? The Bible says judge not. Well, in the very chapter, and there in Matthew 7 where Jesus said judge not, down a few verses he says don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to, to the dogs. Well, clearly Jesus is saying that there are some people that are spiritual swine and spiritual dogs, and that requires judgment. So when, when Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged, he's not saying have no judgment. 
He's saying judge righteous judgment, judge according to the word. And so you're going to have to deal with people's fear. Always, whenever you're teaching something like that, you always got to deal with the fear, whatever their fear is. Well, if we believe that, well, if we believe in grace, then that won't that make us sin more? If we believe in election, won't that make us not carry the gospel? If we believe in discipline, doesn't that make us self-righteous? You've always got to deal with whatever the fear is that people have. Well, if you teach that, if you teach what the Bible actually says, here's the bad thing that will happen. You need to show people that the bad thing that will happen is that people in sin stay in sin. The whole point of church discipline is always, and I do mean this, always restoration. Your goal is to restore them. You go to your brother. Why? So that you can regain your brother. If he won't hear you, you go back to him. Why? Because you still want to regain him. If he won't go, uh, if he won't hear the two or three you go back to him with, then you tell it to the church. Why? Well, Paul says, even when you put him out of the church in 1 Corinthians 5, you put him out of the church so that his spirit may be saved in the day of Christ Jesus. In the day of judgment, you you really want him to be saved. And so if you let him live in sin, assume that he's lost. And that means he's just going to die and go to hell. I mean, if you don't confront people in their sin, literally you are saying to them, you can go to hell. We don't care. But when you care about them so much that you're willing to go to them and plead with them to forsake the sin and repent and return, you're showing real care. And that's the way you have to teach it. My sermon on church discipline is called The Compassion of Confrontation. And that's precisely the way that I try and teach it. And I, I, I have many, many stories. Over the course of a lifetime of ministry, I could tell you so many times that when people were confronted, they repented. In fact, my experience is that they repented most of the time whenever I confronted people in sin. Sometimes people will not, and then you pray for them, and uh, maybe later they will. But uh, I'll tell you this, people that you just leave in sin don't tend to repent. You've got to go to them and, and beg them to repent. Now, what's the process? If First of all, not every sin rises to the level of church discipline. The Bible, the New Testament teaches three. Uh, there's the sin of gross immorality. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 5. Well, here's a guy who even the Gentiles don't do that. Even the Gentiles know that that's wrong. And in this case, it was him having sex with his stepmother. Uh, there's also the case of, of uh, doctrinal uh, heresy, uh, those that uh, deny the faith are worse than, than uh, an unbeliever. They deny the faith. He said, well, you've got to uh, reject them. Then those that are intentionally dividers, those that are dividing the church, and even when admonished, they just keep it, keep it up. They, they don't care about the unity of the church, and uh, they have no spirit of working together. If they won't repent, then you put them out. So those three things rise to the level of church discipline. The fourth one is the sin of an elder. When an elder sins, the Bible says, rebuke him before all so that others may fear. 
Now, the process uh, that we have when following the Matthew 18 model, uh, if someone sins, and if it's a private matter, then whoever they've sinned against should deal with them privately. But typically, by the time it gets to the level level of a pastor, uh, we they've already been confronted privately. Let's say we hear uh, this. This is getting more and more frequent. An older couple, both of them say, lost a spouse or were single in some way, and uh, if they get married, one or both of them will lose a pension. Their their pension will go down, and so they just move in together. This is getting much more common. Uh, I see this a lot now and even see sometimes I've seen them ask a pastor to bless them, bless their union, but not to legally marry them. Uh, I, and obviously, I think this is this is wrong. I think this is against the Word of God. And I've had to go and confront them, call on them to repent, tell them why that's wrong. They put in a price on obedience to the Lord. Uh, and let's say if they won't, we go back to them again. And then if they still won't, then we would tell that to the church in a members meeting and ask the church to remove them from fellowship because they won't repent. But always we say, whenever we remove someone from uh, fellowship because of sin, we say we do this with tears in hopes of their eventual repentance and return so that they can be restored. So if someone is disciplined, they've removed from the role of the church, we uh, ask them to go through a restoration process when they come back by putting a group of people around them that sort of disciple them. It's like starting all over in some ways. And after a while, then that group around them will declare them restored to, to full fellowship. But that's the goal. Even when we remove someone, we may not hear from them for years, but we still pray that they'll return. And if you do it always with the motive, and you teach this to your people, that our motive is always restoration, but we care about them too much to leave them in sin. We've got to ask them to repent and return because we care for them. Then your people are much more likely to follow you in discipline because they see that you know, it's not being judgmental. It's truly caring and trying to deliver them. It's one of the hardest things that a pastor will do, but I will tell you, it's also one of the most important uh, because your people will see the beauty of repentance and restoration. It's a, a glorious thing. It's hard to do the discipline on the front end, but man, when you begin to see people repent, return, someone very, very close to me well, will tell you that uh, church discipline saved his life. And I've heard that from others, not just that, it, it restored them, but it saved their lives. They think they would have gone off into sin and even death. So you have the compassion to confront people in their sin, discipline them from the church if necessary, but always in hopes that they'll return. Always tell them, here's what you need to do to be restored and pray toward that end. And by practicing church discipline, you're teaching a church to uphold the standards of the gospel to be obedient, and indeed, this will help you pastor well.